0: there, welcome to Wrap Your Head Around Silks. This is the Expecting Aerialist podcast. How are you guys doing today? Thanks for tuning in. I'd love to start by saying there's a free gift for you in the show notes. Go ahead and click there and you will be signed up to get my ebook, Understanding Aerial Silks, for free. It is designed to be a companion to your training. And I just wanted to offer that to you guys to show my love and appreciation for this community. All right. So today I have my friend Gail Steffens on the podcast. She is a myofascia release expert. We're going to talk all about fascia, what it is. It can be a mysterious thing that people don't really know. So she's going to get into it, explain exactly what it is and how it works and its role in the body and what happens when our belly grows in pregnancy and when the baby comes out, what happens to our fascia then? So this is actually really important because um, it affects how our training is later. It affects how our bodies look after. So we're going to get into the nitty gritty and have some funny stories along the way. Okay, guys, let's get started. So Gail is a lot of things. She's currently in her second trimester of her second pregnancy. She's also got a stepson who is now how old? He'll be 13 in October. Holy moly. Yeah. He's going to be 13. And then her son Ethan is 8, eight. correct? Mhm. Uh-huh. And then um and then she's pregnant with a new bundle of joy who's also a boy. Mhm. <laughs> <laughs> when Gail told me she was having a boy, I laughed so hard that my face turned red. Because she's gonna have three boys plus her husband, Oh, boy. who is, who is, also quite childlike at times. Although he's really a responsible dude, he's my he's my he's my bro. Like he's a Chinese Japanese, and it's like we're the same person, but I'm a girl and he's a boy. This is really interesting for the pod. So, Gail. Yes for the listeners here mm-hmm. can you talk can you tell me she's also my aerial student yep. and uh can you tell me maybe a favorite birth story of yours or anything from your from your from Ethan when you gave birth or when you were pregnant just any story that mm. might be fun or informative for the listeners
1: um Well, I would definitely suggest not having spicy miso ramen uh, when you're having pre-labor contractions. Didn't realize that was actually happening. I just thought it was Braxton Hicks. Okay. Definitely don't do that. Um, What happened? Well, later on. So I had spicy miso ramen and then went to bed and two o'clock in the morning My water broke, and I spent a good portion, first portion of my labor on the toilet, and it was horrendous the smell like explosive diarrhea. It was awful, and I felt so bad. Oh my god, for everybody. (laughs) Now we were birthing at home, sorry, We, we birthed at home. And so now everybody's stuck. Our bedroom's right next to the bathroom. Now everybody's stuck with this. (laughs) And I was just like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I can't believe this. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Why are you sorry? You're birthing the
0: child. The
1: smell. How? The smell. The smell (laughs) of spicy (laughs) miso ramen. Poo. It's (laughs) (laughs) poop.
0: Did you open the windows?
1: I'm sure I wasn't paying attention to windows.
0: (laughs) Listen, listen, you're, you're, you're giving birth to a child. You do need to apologize for absolutely nothing. And knowing Panda, that's what I call her husband's going to love this because the smells that him and the other two boys create in that toilet. Oh boy. Listen, there's nothing for you to apologize for. (laughs) I smell those smells. Those are not good smells. I love that. That's the story you told. It's amazing. <laughs> I also have explosive diarrhea during pregnancy stories, but we're going to get there. I was going to tell that story on, on the, uh, when I have Dr. April Douglas in to talk about pe- pelvic floor, that's when I'm going to tell that yeah. story. So, so my listeners are waited, waiting with bated breath for that. So like that. the, <laughs> so Gail is like, all the things for this podcast. She's pregnant now. She's been pregnant. She spent many years as a silk student of mine and is gorgeous up there. She's got this very long, lithe body. Very, very graceful for a non-dancer. Didn't really do this stuff before. And But the reason why I have her here to help us know things that will be helpful is because she is a myofascial release specialist. She's been a masseuse for many, many years. Mm-hmm. You're training um, in Stecco, which is an Italian mm-hmm. doctor um, who has this uh, myofascial release technique slash theory slash method. I've done five, some six years of myofascial release work that she's done on me, and it has changed my body. Of course, now I have a lot of those problems cropping up because I haven't had anybody work on me for a year. Gail, let's get into the nitty gritty a little bit. Okay. Can you start by defining what myofascia is and its role in the body
1: for us? Sure. Well, my own fascia are kind of two words smushed into one, myo meaning muscle. And fascia is obviously the fascia. So myofascial work would be working as with the muscle and fascia together. So it's not separating muscle from the fascia and it's seeing it more as one, which technically it kind of is because the fascia is wrapping the muscle, going through the muscle. It's it's wrapping every single cell tissue. Down to the cell, right? Um, It fascia itself is uh, defined medically as certain sheets of biological fabric inside the body. So the body is held together by this big old web, mm, very strong web. It's stronger than spider webs. It's collagen fibers with. With this gooey, with this nice gooey stuff. That's what I You sound so
0: smart right now. Do you know that?
1: That's nice because I'm shaking with nervousness. (laughs) Stop (laughs) it. And then when people say,
0: (laughs) when you say myofascial release, I feel like there's a lot of like, what is that really? And honestly. Yeah. It's a lot of things because it's the same. It, think about the word massage. You can do a massage in a million different ways. So yes. mild release from one practitioner versus another can be very, very different. So so for the listeners out there, just um, don't think of it as a one type of of um, technique.
1: No, thanks for saying that, Carrie. Thanks for saying that because it's so true.
0: Yeah, it's so true. And I don't want people to get confused. So also, how is myofascial release as an entire chunk different from regular massage? It's kind of like saying, how is Pilates different than yoga? Because it's a whole thing can be done in a million different ways. But what is the baseline difference between myofascial release and regular massage?
1: Like you said before, technically, when you touch the body in any one of those modalities, you are essentially working with fascia just because it's so interwoven with everything. Everything. Your viscera, like all of your organs, everything's wrapped within fascia. When I'm working specifically with somebody's fascia, which is going to involve muscle because they're intertwined, um I'm looking for areas that are not gliding. Um you can feel that the tissue is has more of a dense dense texture. Um our skin, if you were to kind of pinch your skin and uh on your forearm and kind of move it back and forth, it's supposed to be able to glide, you know? And if you continue to move into different places on that arm, you might notice some areas aren't gliding as well as others. You might notice little bundles or areas that um, are snappy, uh, that feel like they're more of a chunk and less. We use the word
0: crunchy, too. Crunchy, like it seems really crunchy. Yeah,
1: some, and you know what? That's just different areas on the body. So the fascia is different in the limbs as it is in the torso um, due to layers. And also due to how the fascia decides how it is to um, to be there to structurally support your body. So your IT band, that, that fascia, the IT band is this interwoven fascia. It's so thick. That doesn't feel like the fascia that's on my abdomen, right? Because it needs to be structurally sound versus... Able to really be able to flex and move. Um, So I'm looking for those areas that are uh, not gliding, and my goal is to rehydrate them. Then I will create a friction, and this friction is going to kind of warm up those crystallized honeys in there. And within the friction, it's going to start to create more glide. That fascial release is how I work. I work with those bundles, those areas of dehydration, and my goal is to help restore the glide. But I also don't go into just that one spot because the fascia is this web that's over your entire body. If I affect something in the shoulder, that could go directly and relate into the hip. So I'm working more on, I'm looking at you as a whole, seeing Okay, well, this area of your body's not really moving. Is it really that area, or is it coming from somewhere else? The tensegrity and somewhere else in, in your body. You know, could it be an ankle injury? Could it be a hip thing? So I'm kind of working this line, this plane um, of fascial tension, in order to restore glide and functionality.
0: And when she says restore glide, what that turns into is is pain relief. I have chronic neck pain. And it's usually because I'm, I'm overusing my arms in aerial and my chest. Okay. So that's usually where the pain shows up. Like I feel like I always have to crack my neck and it's on the left side all the time. And every single time she's worked on me, it either comes from a a fascia bundles being too tight in the front of my chest or down my left arm usually. Okay, so talk about I come in, I lay down, you start on me. What is the process of trying to figure out how to alleviate that
1: neck pain for me? She is showing me her movement. She's showing me where her side of pain is. She's telling me everything that she's been up to and doing, and I take that all into account. And again I'm I'm looking for where's her imbalance so if she's feeling the tension on the left side is that due to an actual pain or uh bundle there or is it due to the lack of her using her non dominant side do we need to alleviate some of this tension on the overuse side does she need to start using this left side more but i really just go into Okay, how is her arm rotating? Um, thinking of, like, kind of feeling my way down from the head into the sides of the neck, front of the neck, into the front of the chest. Um, and, again, I'm just really looking for in her body, which is, for me, not a typical body. Um, Tell people what my body is like. Please. I am I apologize to if there are vegans out there. Um, Think about a sausage and think about that casing around the sausage. Now imagine that you just keep filling that sausage casing and it's super packed tight. And oh God, you can just look at it and you can see it stretching to the seams, even a pregnant belly, you know, you can really, it's really pushing from the inside out. And so with Carrie, when I was working with her, She had a lot of inflammation due to overuse, emotional stress, and gut issues. Can you imagine? You have like the full pyramid of inflammation happening within your body. So it kind of felt a little sticky all over, a little, uh, at times you could definitely feel the, the inflammation as puffiness. Um, just underneath the surface puffiness, you know, she didn't look like she was swollen at all, but it was a puffiness underneath, um, right underneath the skin and just densifications throughout the intercostals, like in between the ribs. Oh, that was the
0: freaking worst. It really is. The worst pain, the worst, the worst pain, um, ever was my the front of my chest when you would release those bundles maybe for the first second third fourth time
1: yeah the the freaking
0: worst it feels like somebody's putting a knife through your intercostals
1: and a lot of times you'll also get like a really burning sensation or i say that it makes fascial work for me it doesn't feel like normal massage because fascial work makes you sweat funny it's such a visceral feeling it's so integral with your body like your nerves are so intertwined that oh my gosh, you're going to be like, why is my inner thigh sweating? You know, why am I sweating? Yeah. <laughs> it's a really weird. Yeah. Point.
0: Because, you know, like you're working on the spot on my chest and it starts radiating all the way down my leg and to my toes because that's where the line is going. That's where the energy is. Pa- that That's the path of the energy. And it... There's a reason why the myofascia work is so important because when you go for a massage, you're obviously working with the myofascia because it's everywhere. But, you know, myofascia release is not about releasing, okay, this is your hamstring. We're going to release, we're going to get rid of your quote unquote knots, which I don't even know what that means exactly. This is about getting your saran wrap to glide and release so that you can move your joints.
1: Yes, exactly. Because it's not, so knots is kind of a, not a very good term because it's not something that you can untie, okay? Right, right. So, yeah, we're working through that whole entire line. But to some people, the fascia is this, considered a proprioceptive organ. And proprioception is where your body is in space. So the nerves, your nerves which is also why you're feeling that burning feeling or those really intense sensations, is because as we work through the fascia, we're opening it. You know, you could say micro tearing, but it's not really, it's not really, really it is. is. But it's in a good way. (laughs) (laughs) In a good way. (laughs) In a good way, because we're using that motion, that work, and then... Your body has its way of healing where it's going to add, when you stretch the fascia like that, it adds more space. The body adds more fascia. More elasticity and more more fascia. Well, the elasticity is within the fibers themselves and how you're training it, right?
0: Mm, Okay.
1: If I I get fascia work done and then I'm going to go do nothing or curl up in a ball somewhere for a week. And cry. Then I'm going to have a curled up in a ball and not worked body. But if I put load on my body, I'm not saying if you get fascia work to go out and go run a marathon and lift like a thousand pounds, you're going to probably hurt yourself doing that. But your fascia is going to adapt to how you load it, right? So like for you, Carrie Mm -hmm. you get worked on
0: right you'd always tell me I'd be like well I have to teach a class in the morning you'd be like cool go do it
1: right definitely keep up with your life I wouldn't right after fascia work just like right after a yoga like hard stretching heat filled yoga class you're not going to go out and do the hardest thing that your body's done because you're more prone to injury because you've lengthened things the body needs that time to spindle together and strengthen those stretched out fascia um, fibers, right? Because you're reorganizing the fascia. Okay.
0: I want to, I want to step back actually. Sure. So if you're, if you're out there trying to imagine how Gail is working on me, she's using her thumbs. She's using her fingers and her elbows and her forearms. It's not like a whole handed palm into the muscle. It is not, it is very sharp and it's very direct. Mm-hmm. So, basically, you know, she there's there's always there's always um, for for an aerial body, and you can tell me if this is generally correct. Okay. You know, because we our arms are always in front of us, and we're always doing pull ups. I have a bundle almost all the time, right around my collarbone, mm-hmm. right at my SCM, which is that um, cord that pops out of your neck and when you attaches in the front. Mm-hmm. Yes, when you turn your head, there's usually always a bundle right there on my SCM. There's bundles right around where my lats attach. Mm-hmm. There's bundles um, at my pubic bone. There's bundles on the on the lateral side of my arms.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, like on the outside of my arms, um, around the elbow, always. Because of what, what, you know, because of the, all the pull-ups and holding on with the cylindrical grip on a fabric. Mm-hmm. So she basically goes up and down the lines, fingers, um, knuckles, elbows, and works out these bundles. And man, um, I'll probably post a video of me getting work done by Gail. It's hilarious because I'm dying. And she's just laughing at me. <sighs> you know, she's just laughing. So it's, it's a pretty like intense hour, but it's also, or, or longer, but, um, what it does is it releases and creates lubrication and creates glide so that I can move my joints, hopefully pain-free and with, with, you know, full range of motion
1: and greater ease. Yeah.
0: And, and greater ease. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's just say, okay, so let's go into, let's go into, the idea of the fascia and what happens when your belly grows? And then what happens when you go back to normal? Like what's happening with the fascia?
1: Like everything else, the fascia is also stretching. Obviously, we know that it's stretching in the front. But with that stretching in the front, how's our strength in the back in our pelvic floor to help lift our load, our bellies up, hold our backs up. Where's the strength? Where's the balance? Okay. So strength is so big with pregnancy to be not in pain. So as everything is stretching, the fascia fiber, like the, if you think about um, something that's woven, like think of a fabric where you can kind of really see those fibers crossing every which way. And if you were to really push your hand in that, um, you can see that, you know, the, fas- the the fibers are kind of spreading more. It takes a little bit longer. Fascia is kind of slow to reorganize. I guess what's its role? Supporting you know what I'm structure. Saying? Uh, it's what's helping us hold that shape, our shape. And so when we grow and then overstretch it and then it's all...
0: I love that that's your you know, like, characterization of our bellies well like yeah
1: <laughs> but it, yeah no i mean yeah right like right after you give birth you're what three you look like you're three months pregnant which is totally normal because if you were to snap back like that like within that week or month or whatever i would be very concerned you know that's <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't make any sense.
1: But you also... It wouldn't make any sense. All of our fascial sacs have been pushed and moved and stretched and um, changed with positioning of the baby in the uterus and um, that whole rehoming space that it's it's really important to go see somebody to get reorganized.
0: Yeah, I hope to have um, Dr. Tim on here. Dr. Tim, so I have a dream team here in LA. Gail is part of it to take care of my body. Dr. Tim is a chiropractor slash third coming of Jesus.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would basically him a visceral therapist. Yeah, he
0: basically, um, you know, when when I was really struggling with IBS, we found out like my guts were completely twisted in my body over years and years and years of inflammation and, and, and terrible episodes. And so he puts me back together where the fascia is now flowing the correct way and it's not twisted around itself. And the thing is with pregnancy is this happens because it's, you know, trying to move so you have space for the baby. And so um, it really is important for us to go – and find out, you know, I have, a, I have another student who basically found out that her SI joint has been going in and out. Like, it's just causing her so much pain. And then she finds out later that her uterus is still a little bit twisted. And it's creating, like, a unevenness inside. And then your hips are off. Everything's off. You feel the pain. Usually, for me, if I'm having pain, it's not muscular as much as it's a fascia problem. Mostly, I would say 99% of the pain that I experienced from just overuse, it's okay. The muscles probably need a rest and they need a massage and they need some love, but generally it's because the fascia itself is bound so tightly. These, these bundles that Gail is talking about is compensatory. So I'm doing this movement like, uh, like just regular climbing on a fabric where my arms are in front of me, where I'm doing a pull up. And there are compensatory bundles in my body because of that movement. And those bundles create a chronic pain story in my body. And then when I see Gail, she is pounding at these compensatory, sharp, crunchy little bundles, getting them to open up, getting them to glide. Therefore, I have more movement through my joints. I have my range of motion and it's. You know, it puts me in a place where I can go back and, and, and do the same process to myself and come back and cry about it again, which is what I do. <laughs> okay, Gail, can you please talk about the chest? Okay, so this is my current problem. My current problem is that my child is now 22 pounds. She wants to be carried all the time. I pick her up all the time. She's still breastfeeding. My arms are in flexion all the time. My shoulders are rolling forward. Because I'm holding her and I'm looking down at her. If I don't look at her while she breastfeeds, she gets upset with me. Uh (laughs) She gets upset with me. So this creates a pattern that is too much for me to unbalance um, on a regular basis because it's it's just a challenge to be like, okay, I know if I do some chest openers and some back extensor exercises just as much as I pick up my baby, I'll probably feel better. But it's just it's just impossible to do like on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, as you can clearly tell, when you have a child, even when you're pregnant, uh, your chest and your rib cage are changing drastically because your breasts get so much larger and heavier, and then that by itself is um, causing stress on your upper back and rib cage, and then you got to think also how much is your rib cage uh, expand, get larger in circumference. Um, and that's going to change the fashion soft tissue. So now just being pregnant, there you go. All right. So you've got those two things. We're, that's not even including all the aerial stuff that Carrie's put her body through. Okay. So if she comes in with that, I am going to definitely come in and right on that, right on the sternum, right in that hard, the hard bone where all the ribs meet right in between the breast. I'm going to come in there and I'm going to see, okay, what is happening? How is that moving? And I'm going to open you up. I'm going to being careful around some of the breast tissue now because you have milk ducts because uh, the lymph nodes are so tight in there. Everything's a little uh, more irritable. Um. Being careful opening up the fascia of the chest, coming in, wanting to externally rotate those shoulders because you're constantly internally move. If you take your hands out into a W from your elbows being at your side, that is external rotation. Now, if you think about holding a baby, you're, those hands from the outside are coming inside. Mm-hmm. So that's an internal rotation.
0: And you can see how the
1: shoulder at that point is making the C curve forward, right? So we really need to open that up. But me opening you up is is only part of it because all of the extra stress that's coming um, from the pulling on the front is causing stretching in the back.
0: Yep. So I'm weak and tight in the back and then I'm tight in the front.
1: And the front of the neck because you're looking down, right? So really, I mean, as we open you up, then you you, that's when I think it's good to have that team.
0: Yeah. And luckily, I, I know enough to do my Pilates and everything so that I can strengthen, strengthen the rhomboids, strengthen the back extensors, you know, do that work, you know, and try to cross train in a way. But what she does, what I kind of think about when she does this work on me, when Gail works on me for this chronic problem, Imagine there's a string tied around my chest right where the sternum ends. So the xiphoid process. And she'll basically release the the sternum all the Mm -hmm. way up to my SEM, all the way across into my, under my boobs, which is incredibly painful, especially like right underneath the nipple. Wow. And then kind of where the lats are all the way into the back, up, up the back into the neck, up the head, all the way to the brow, and then also where my eyeglasses sit because there's a fascial bundle that likes to, to, to mess around right there, and then my face into my into my yeah. um, my jawline. And it is so painful, but it's the only thing that really releases and puts me in a place where I can move freely without, without pain yeah. and do what I do for a living. Yeah. And it's very specialized. So Gail, um, you're a Stecco method, uh, practitioner for the people out there who are finding this episode anywhere in the world, how can they find a practitioner kind of alike this?
1: They have a lot of information out there. Um, NYU, you know, Luigi Stecco's children, Carla and, um, Antonio Stecco are these brilliant, science basically scientists are research they're dissecting like they're fully i mean carla's the carla stecco is has one of the first um fascial anatomy books that's ever been made so you can look up the steckos s-t-e-c-c-o um
0: great. i'll put it in the show notes so it's um, okay you don't have but, to but
1: you know there's yeah. there's ways that you could be definitely targeting these places of fascia with manipulation you know you can go to um like a yoga tune-up or jill miller um tom miller. yes oh yeah the yoga tune-up balls she, mm-hmm. they they now okay blowing blowing my mind with how awesome <laughs> they're bringing this to the public so that you know i can send this to my mom Who's across the country, and she can, you know, help treat herself when I'm right. not there to help her. Um, she can do stuff at home. So, and it's through, um, Jill Miller and uh, Tom Mayers So it's a different theory. Yeah. That kind so of Steco in definitely the same definitely has their own like. Okay. Well, this is the this is our method. T- Anatomy trains is hey, I want you to know what fascia is about. I want you to see how it moves. And apply whatever method you need to, to restore that glide. Okay. Which I just, I just really appreciate that. Okay. And he has a lot of different practitioners on his website for anatomy trains at anatomy trains and you can go into practitioners. Um, so yeah, I would look at, if you can't find a hand, Rolfers, right. They're pretty amazing. Um,
0: Yeah. So rolfers, if you guys don't really know what that is, that's where like years ago, they'd be like, do you know what a rolfer is? And I'd like just nod my head to Uh sound smart. I'm like, fuck, I don't know.
1: I guess it depends on who you go to, but they're really getting into, they're really getting into it. And they're opening up the body also looking at how you're curling in. It's just more of a slow entrance stretch. Like it's really, it's a more of a plastic way to get into the fascia versus I'm just complete friction and you know what sometimes you need that that's sometimes what people's bodies need so I'm not you know a complete stochotherapist in that in that sense where I'm just gonna do their method I'm gonna do what the body needs to manipulate the facts
0: yeah, and you've got your other, you know, you've been practicing massage for a very long time. And um, for the listeners, I actually am a corrective masseuse, and I my sensei is based in a Thai method, and in that method, it's all about thumbing, which is taking taking your thumbs or your elbows or whatever, putting pressure downwards into the ground, into the muscle, and creating a flow throughout a line. So that itself is a completely different structure and technique from Gail's mm-hmm. more frictiony type of structure i mean my my nerdy brain just exploding with like wow how are all these so different but then they they kind of are coming at it differently but getting the same result which is getting everything to move yeah. getting the energy to come out of the body getting the stuckness to come out really getting lied. the energy to flow. i was gonna
1: say you know you so, can always visit visit carrie's house of yeah. pain you know
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Carousel's> <laughs> of Pain is closed right now sadly i haven't worked on somebody since this pandemic started um and then my sensei is actually in la now he used to live in thailand but they kicked him out like he left he was not there and then mm-hmm. ever since then he hasn't been able to go back so there's that but okay so so this episode i feel like the base feeling, the base idea I would love to get across through Gail's amazing knowledge is that myofascia is such a mysterious thing that people don't really know what it is. And it really is the, it is more the reason that we have chronic pain, that we have chronic issues, that we have things that we can't explain. You know, my mom has right hip pain and she got an x-ray and she's got some arthritis and stuff. But then, of course, the doctor, you know, one of their only tools is to give her a cortisone shot to numb it. But it doesn't take care of the source of the issue.
1: It's important to know that the fascia is not separate anywhere. Like there's this whole thing on fascia embryology, um, which basically fascia is the gooey stuff is keeping us like in the womb talking about pregnancy, right? So, mm. um, fascia is so mm-hmm. important that it's keeping us structurally sound as a zygote into our brains and nervous systems being developed to our bones being, you know, created and then our muscles and all of our joints and all that kind of stuff. And so it's all, we we grow in this, this weaving, and we're not separate from it. You know, it's not like our Achilles is separate from the, the fascia of our back, right? So any any of those, um, those apneurosis, it's all, we're all one, it's all one thing. So when we have an issue somewhere, we have to, like your mom's hip, you know, like it could be coming from a foot, you know, like densification throughout an entire line you know it's not just that and arthritis is an inflammation which you know the fascia is connecting within um attaching within the the bone too so if that's inflamed then you have all the the nerves and everything around it inflamed so the pain it just fascia is uh, this whole thing and we don't want to see it as separate like we have parts muscles stuff that's good to know but we're all one thing it's one basically. well and this this is such
0: an important thing to understand everything is connected imagine that you have a bed sheet or a picnic blanket and you take one corner and you take your hand and you grab it, it and you pull twist it it's create yes it's creating it's creating problems in the entire thing. That is what our fascia is doing all the time. So if you have yes. scar tissue, for mm-hmm. example, from mm-hmm. a C-section, and it's not, and your scar is not gliding well, and it's just kind of bunched, then then the fascia mm-hmm. from there, it's getting pulled down and in, and our entire abdomen can't function
1: at Correct. optimum, optimally. And that movement when yeah after so you had a c- you have a c-section it's it's cut they've cut through the fascial line so the fascia itself is trying to reconnect and reorganize it's not going to be as pretty as say the fascia on our glutes where it's in nice lines it might look a little bit more felty where it's crisscross 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 but the moment that you don't have the pain there start moving The movement is what helps organize the fascia. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to move in order to organize that fascia. We have to stick our fingers in there and move it to organize this fascia, right? We need those fine twitch movements. We need those big body movements. We need the loads. We need all that kind of stuff. And then hydration also. Know this. Hydration, when we talk about hydration of the fascia, it's not about... The water that you're drinking so much. It's about um, how those collagen fibers and how these little like ferny things coming off of those fibers, if the water's getting to those. Because if we can be hydrated, then they're going to unfold and then we're going to open up more and we're going to have more movement and ease in movement, right? Fascia does take a long time. So in our society, we have to realize that We need to work on the body schedule, not on this Western colonized form of, you know, I need to be up and running now. Now, 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 you know, no, it doesn't work that way. Our fascial system is like this tension bridge that keeps our bones and everything floating in space without pulling it or whacking it out of. So if our tension on one side is more, then you're gonna feel more pulling and like you know maybe get an uh, um, an adhesion or a um, subluxation within your spine. Let's just say for example, right or mm-hmm. even in your ribs. Um, let's mm-hmm. say if you're working on Carrie's hierography and whipping your head around you know like <laughs> <laughs> we love it. Right. I never
0: did a dance job that didn't have you a head never.
1: roll. How would you ever?
0: I've done hundreds of thousands of head rolls. I know. We wonder why <laughs> I have neck pain.
1: Well, Because your fascia has Gail. to be that like, oh, crap, sense. here she goes again. You know, like, we got a tense in here because we know what she likes to do. So you've just <laughs> trained your fascia to really... Tighten up there. Like,
0: yeah, it's trying to protect sure me, you know,
1: cervical spine doesn't run out of place.
0: Yeah. And therefore now I have a neck of steel, exactly. which is really hard to release.
1: So.
0: <laughs> mm hmm. Yep. So, OK, now it's making me ask. OK, so last question. So subluxation, subluxca- subluxation. I can't Sublux- say this word. Say it for me.
1: Subluxation.
0: Subluxation. OK, so it's very common for aerialists to say my rib popped out and we use that very co- Commonly and casually, then the ribs can easily kind of go millimeters out. And if it goes out enough, you have shortness of breath. You can't breathe without pain. And then unless the chiropractor puts it back in, you're going to have micro tearing.
1: Yeah. So that's where it's really important to to monitor kind of when you're doing drops and stuff like that, you know, our fascia is is so intelligent that when some when it hits hard on something, it doesn't break and stuff doesn't move out of place, right? So like if you catch a really fast ball, if you do um a like a double star or something and whip at the end, you know what I mean? Like we can we can do that without hurting ourselves, but if we're too loosey-goosey and don't have that really nice tension in our body when we are dropping and getting thrashed by these drops or or even just the fabric being wrapped around us like you can you can like you're saying that that balance of that fascia it's it needs to have that correct tension otherwise if it's loosey-goosey it's gonna whoop that didn't feel good. You know, it's going to slip and it can be traumatic, you know? And part of that could be poor stretching beforehand, like not active stretching, you know, it could just be um, dumping into things without being conscious of it. Like we said before, because if when you are stretching and really getting in there, the, the fascia, you're spreading it out, right? You're, mo- you're moving the fibers apart. And so if we're dropping on farther apart fibers we gonna what's gonna happen you know so diaphragmatic and pelvic floor relationship and strength is going to be really important for that also for that tension um especially in the ribs keeping the ribs oh yes
0: oh and by the way (sighs) i smell a stinky poo poo you know coming from (laughs) the bean (laughs) she dropped a deuce and she's really happy it's out it's important we talked about poop like three times in the last hour
1: it's good you know that's what we got to do i feel
0: like you and i always talk about poop i love this episode <laughs> it Makes me so. that's funny. good <laughs> yeah and thank you for sharing your knowledge with us gail it's it's gonna be really great for people out there who didn't really know a lot about fascia
1: before now well thank you for having me carrie i hope that um any of this is helpful to your listeners. And we are thinking of you.
0: I am ex- so excited to see this new, this new, like <laughs> half Minnesotan, quarter Chinese, quarter Japanese, little bundle of boy <laughs> cuteness. Thank you to Asa Watkins for music and post production. And please give me a five star rating and a review anywhere you find your podcast so people can more easily find this community. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Expecting, bless you, the Expecting Aerialist podcast. You wanna tell everybody how you're feeling? No. Oh. I can't. Tell them. I can't. Tell them. Uh, uh, I Hey, so we learned a new word because Mama had a birthday over the weekend. Why? Right. Can you tell them how yummy? Can you tell them Ooh. cake? Cake. <laughs> cake. Did you like cake. the cake? Cake. <laughs> cake. Isn't it <that> amazing? Cake. <laughs> and she does the and she Cake. <laughs> and she also knows how to say Toot. Toot. Doesn't that make you so happy? Yeah. I mean, I mean.